أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته إن شاء الله today we're going over سورة العاديات سورة number 100 so we've got إن شاء الله 14 more to go we'll try to wrap them up in the coming 7 days إن شاء الله um, another beautiful surah of the Quran. This is also a continuation of the discussion of the previous surah, Surah Al-Zalzala. It's a Mecca surah, um, 11 ayat. Of course, there's some opinion that it could be Madani, but again, yani regardless, the theme is a continuation of Surah Al-Zalzala. And just to do a quick recap of Surah Al-Zalzala, right? The idea there was the disbeliever rejected that there is resurrection that this life will come to an end he doubted the fact that th his records will be recorded every deed he does whether it's good or bad will be recorded he had these doubts and he had hope that someone would back him up on the day of judgment the concept of shafa surah al-zazara came to destroy all these doubts right it confirmed that there will be a, a shaking of the earth it confirmed that all his deeds will be recorded and it confirmed that he will be standing alone on the day of judgment no wasta no you know, hookups, no, nobody's going to be able to bribe you out of or, or bail you out of Jahannam. You won't be able to bribe anyone to get you out of Jahannam. None of that. So, and you know, so this is Zalzala talked about the insan being someone who um, still asks, even as the earth is shaking, he's asking, Malaha. He's still in denial. He still has forgotten. You know, all those reminders that came to him were of no benefit to him. So he kept forgetting. And this is as, as a result of the greed in his lifestyle, the, the, a result of the carelessness and lack of responsibility that this human being took. And so he realizes, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes you realize that everything is coming out of the grave, right? Right? Everything is going to come out of the grave and everything is going to be out in the open and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be aware of every single thing you do. So this... This uh, surah has a very creative way of portraying a message. Very, very interesting. And, you know, I found it really uh, amazing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses this technique in the Quran more than 1400 years ago. Whereas, you know, nowadays industries like Hollywood uh, and Bollywood and Lollywood and all these woods, right, they use these techniques to portray the message. And inshallah, as we get there, I will explain to you what I mean. So... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off, there's like this scene, okay, imagine there's like a trailer going on, it's a, it's a scene from a movie and it's an action thriller movie. And back in the days, the Arabs, they would love movies that have to deal with war, because this was their passion. Like nowadays, people like football, people like entertainment, they like songs or whatever and shamelessness. Back in the days, the real entertainment was war scenes. And this was like something that the Arabs did for fun, they really enjoyed wars, they enjoyed their horses, they enjoyed the fact that, you know, there's enmity and tribal enmity and wars and battles. This was like exciting stuff for them, you know. And, and so the Arabs, for them to capture their attention, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off with this qasam. A'udhu billahi bismillah He starts off by describing these horses that are rushing forth, they're galloping aggressively towards an enemy focused on their enemy. And the translation there is by the racers panting. You know, unfortunately, there's so much imagery lost in this translation that, you know, it's, 
it's really doing injustice to the ayah. So uh, let me just spend some time on the details of the, the wording and the language. And by the way, this language is a very, like, especially the Arabic words used here, the average Arab on the street would not know these languages. They're very like classical Arab, Arabic words that are not used in the street language nowadays. So, you know, appreciating the language and the depth really gives flavor and imagery to this surah. So, wal-adiyat. First of all, we're talking about a group of horses. And this is jam'u qilla. Remember like I told you, salihat? They're good deeds, but not too many. It's not jam'u kathra. It's not... Many plurals, it's a little bit of plurals, plurals. So the linguists say that you're talking about less than 10 horses here, okay? Less than 10 horses. And adiyat means it's feminine. And interestingly, the Arabs for battle, they would prefer female horses rather than male horses. Why? Because number one, they were faster. Number two, they were more obedient. You know, and, and better basically for, for war. So in terms of war horses, adiyat are... Much better. But interestingly, Adiyat comes from the root word Adu, which means an enemy. So we're learning from this word also that these horses have an enemy, a clear enemy, and they basically are, so there's this aggression going on, there's this attack that's happening. Okay, imagine a group of uh, horses attacking, they're all female, very, very aggressive, very fast. Okay, so the speed is there. That's the scene. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala zooming in on the horses. And babhan means that they are basically panting. You know, the horse when he makes the sound of, of breathing heavily, inhale, exhale, okay? You're hearing that sound and you're hearing the gallops. They're running really fast. And also, you know, adiyat are um, horses that are obeying their master. Very important point here. These are horses that the owner loves them. Why? The master loves them. Why? Because they obey so much. You know? And if it wasn't for the horses, would they win the battle? So horses are a critical part of battle because if they disobey the master, what's going to happen? The life is at risk. The tribe is at risk. The reputation is at risk. Your honor is at risk. Everything is at risk. And therefore, they, they have so much attachment with these horses because they are reliable. They are loyal. That's the key word here. They are what? Loyal. Okay, so that's going to be a major theme of the surah, loyalty. These horses are extremely royal or loyal. And at the same time, you know, one of the habits of the Arabs was to do um, attacks. You know, they call it al-turuq. They used to like, you know, just, you know, rush into a city and rob them and leave. You know, they call them daku basically in, in Urdu, right? Basically thieves and burglars who... Because they're in a gang, they use their oppression and their gang uh, strength to go and just basically do aggression and corruption and steal money, okay? And so this was also very common among the Arabs. You're going to financial difficulty, you just go and you basically steal money from a different tribe, from a different location, and it was totally fine. And they actually had honor in this. And interestingly, if you look at the Arab region, I'm not going to name names, but a lot of the Arab big families in the region... This is what they used to do. If you go back in Arab history, literally, okay? A lot of people deny that, but this is a fact, yeah. That even some of the royals and stuff, this is what they did for a career, yani. Yeah. Career was, uh, okay, their job today is, okay, let's go and attack that tribe and get some money, okay? And so, keep this in mind, okay? So that's also part of the scene here. 
that these are tribes, they're probably bandits that are attacking an enemy, you know, to, to do aggression. So there's, there's sin involved here, there's burglary and, and corruption, right? So, Babhan also means that um, this is a term that was used for wolves that would be attacking. So here, you know like nowadays you see like Lord of the Rings and these, you know, um, Harry Potter and these movies where they have these weird creatures that are fighting. They make up with graphic animation, they make up these weird animations. So this is literally what the Quran is doing. So you, the image is here is of not a horse, not horses, but ho big horses in the sh with the face of the wolf to show that they are very aggressive. So just try to imagine that. These are wolf-like horses. Why? Because horses, if you, if you look at a horse, is it scary? It's not as risky. So to add flavor, Allah added the word dabhan to make you realize that these are actually wolf-like horses. Scary and, and wolves are usually, um, this word dabhan is used for wolves who are certain to, to gain victory. Okay, so they're, they're certain, they're sure they're going to gain victory. Okay, so really scary creatures, war, war horses, fast, their speed there, you can hear their panting, you can hear their heavy breath, they're female, and there's nine, ten of these horses running extremely fast. So Allah's you know, creating that imagination. Then He moves on and says, فَالْمُورِيَاتِ قَدْحَا Now the camera zooms out, and you're seeing the, the scene of the horses running, and what's happening is their hoofs, you know, which are probably like made of some uh, metal or something, they're striking against the ground and sparks are coming out. Okay? So you know how like metal, when it, it, it hits rocks, there's sparks that come out if there's a lot of speed. Okay? So the scene now is basically like a trail of fire and sparks coming out from these horses. They're running so fast that their hooves are literally causing these sparks. فَالْمُورِيَاتِ قَدْحَ And fa means... Continue, a continuation of the discussion. So it's like the next scene. Okay? They're still running fast and leaving a trail of fire sparks. And qadhan also means that there's uh, sounds, a big sound. So the sound of the hoofs striking the ground, you know, and, and speed and, uh, you know, aggression and excitement that they're attacking the enemy. Then Allah says, فَالْمُغِيرَاتِ subha." فَالْمُغِيرَاتِ سُبْحَانَ مُغِيرَات means they attack and ambush in the time of early morning, subhan. Which is interesting because wars usually happen when? At night, right? At nine. Usually the, that's the best time to attack. Why? It's dark. Your enemy doesn't know what you're up to. You, there, there's a lot of mystery and so therefore you can plan and hide, right? But these horses are so confident of victory because they're wolf-like, right? They're confident of their victory that they're attacking the enemy in broad daylight. They're attacking their enemy in broad daylight. Okay? And so here the, the idea is they charge and they pretty much have reached, now the, the camera has reached to the point where they have reached the enemy. They've reached to the place of the enemy and they are basically covering them from all sides. No fear at all because it's morning time. Then Allah says, فَأَثَرْنَا بِهِ نَقْعَا فَأَثَرْنَا بِهِ نَقْعًا There was a stirrup of clouds of dust now. That's the scene. So due to the speed of the horses, due to the fact that they're now with the enemy and there's probably confrontation happening between the horses. And so, you know how sometimes like you get into a fight and, and dust starts picking up from the ground? And then, you know, the more 
fighting happening, the more the dust keeps rising and the horses and everything. So imagine that like the scene is it's so dusty that you can't see anything now. And fighting's happening and screaming and shouting and people are dying. But you don't know what's going on. There's this mystery in, that, in, the, in the clouds of dust. So what's happening in the ears of the listener as he's hearing these ayat? He's getting more and more excited. What next? What's next? What's the next scene? What's the next scene? Okay? It's like a trailer. And so the battle is enraging now. The dust is coming up, which means that everything is heating up. Right? And, and the confrontation has happened. You can't see anything. All you can hear is voices. And these voices are loud. These naqa'an means loud screams of voices. And here you can also think of the horses, you know, with their, their loud sounds. Confrontation, confrontation between two enemies. Okay? That's really the scene. And then Allah says, فَوَسَطْنَ بِهِ جَمْعًا فَوَسَطْنَ بِهِ Wasat means to arrive at the center. Jam'an means from all, from all sides. So what the scene now is, you know how like each, in each army of a tribe, usually the, the leader of the tribe is, is at the front or in the center? He's in the center, right? Usually the soldiers are protecting him from the first row, second row, third row. Usually he's somewhere in the center. What we're learning from this ayah is that these horses, these adiyat, as they're attacking, they're able to penetrate through the army. And this is actually a strategy that's used in, in uh, war strategy, in battles, right? Where it's called the spearhead effect in battle. Where the enemy, as he's attacking, he creates a spearhead shape to cut through the army right into the center. And then you surround the enemy, the, the target, which is the leader from all sides. Okay, so you're literally spear, spearheading through the, the front rows, you know, into the center. And Now, the enemy has surrounded the target from all sides. Literally. That's the scene. And so it's a scene of final confrontation. This is like the last scene. You know, the enemy surrounded from all angles. What's going to happen next? فَوَسَطْنَا بِهِ جَمْعًا And جَمْعًا also means that the enemy is uh, together. They're together. They're united in this. Right? They're all together. You know what happens in battle sometimes, especially with munafiqs, what do they do in battle? They run away. No, these, these horses, this army that's attacking, or these bandits, whatever you want to call them, they're, they're in it together. You know? They're, and they're so confident of victory that they're not running away. فَوَسَطْنَا بِهِ جَمْعًا This is the climax. And now, the trailer stops. And then Allah says, إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لِرَبِّهِ لَكَنُودٍ There's no doubt about it. The human being is most definitely disloyal and ungrateful. Now the question is, what's the connection between the first couple of scenes and this ayah, right? All of a sudden, even if you look at the rhyming, right? Just listen to the, the rhyming sequence of the end of the ayat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And then the rhyme changes. Notice? completely changed of, of uh, rhythm itself. So this means that the idea is changing now. So what, what did Allah just do here? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used a technique that movie directors use, right? What makes a movie a hit? 
a very appealing and attractive trailer, right? If you make a really attractive trailer, that's why a lot of money spent on trailers and you know the directors, they make sure that the most attractive scenes of the entire movie are clipped in that one minute trailer. And you know, there's always this idea of suspense and uh, you know, attracting the audience with something that's appealing to them. And so Allah used something that's extremely appealing to the Arabs. War, battle, horses that they love. You know, and the fact that they're attacking and aggression and surrounding the enemy from all sides. So here the listener, and especially Quraysh, they're extremely hooked at this stage. You know, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through these, these, these scenes has got their attention to the climax. So they're completely hooked, completely listening, and all attention is with the Prophet now. You know, he's grabbed their attention. So at that climax, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shuts the movie, the trailer, and now the real message of the surah is given. And everybody's listening. No one's going to be distracted, nothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, there's no doubt about it. Hum the human being is ungrateful. The human being is disloyal. And you know, the word kanud is interesting because it's never mentioned anywhere else in the Quran. You know, it's a very unique word. And kanad really means disloyal and ungrateful. And Allah's talking about insan here, right? So again, when Allah mentions the word insan, this, a flag should uh, you know, arise and we should remember that this, is, this point is something that we keep forgetting. And Allah said insan to alert us that pay attention, this point here, you keep forgetting it. You keep forgetting that the insan is ungrateful. You keep forgetting that you're ungrateful. Which means what do you have to do? You have to do the opposite. You have to start being grateful. You have to start being loyal. Now, what is the link between this, this statement, right? Which is the center of the surah and the previous scenes. Because, you know, these are oaths, right? Allah swearing by these horses. You know, he literally swore by these horses. So what's the link between horses and being ungrateful and loyal? What did I tell you about the Arabs? They had extreme love for these horses. Why? Because they were extremely loyal. So in the case of the, the Arabs, the, the owner of the horse is like the master and the horse is the slave. And the master has the reins of the horse in his hands. And he is guiding him wherever he wants to go. And the horse is being completely obedient, being loyal. And the master is proud of the horse. Why? Because the horse is doing its job. The horse never says, sorry, today I have a bad mood. You know, did pirora, you know, I have a stomach ache. I'm not going to war. No, no, no. These horses are always, always ready, especially the females. They're reliable. They are the favorites. And so here Allah is saying, you, your relationship with horses is a relationship of loyalty. You appreciate that your horses are loyal to you. You appreciate that you being the master, your, you know, your slave, in this case the horse, is obeying your command. But why is it then that you, as a slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the real master, are being disloyal? Why aren't you fulfilling your role of a slave with your ultimate master? Just like you expect the horse to be loyal to you, your Rabb, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, expects you to be loyal to him. But what is this human being doing? He's expecting loyalty from his slave, but what about the loyalty that Allah expects from him? Is he fulfilling that? He's not fulfilling that. So this statement is really um, you know, reminding the human being of how ungrateful he is for the favors Allah has given him and how disloyal he is. He has basically not fulfilled his role as of being slave. And remember, 
the five meanings of Rabb, right? Yesterday we had a problem with one of them. So Malik, the owner. In this case, let's connect it to the horse. Owner of the horse is the Rabb of the horse, okay? And then Sayyid, rules. The horse follows the rules of the master. Al-Qayyim, the one who can, like, sustains the horse. You've got to feed the horse. You've got to take care of it. You've got to put the right hooves on. You've got to maintain the horse. Similarly, Allah is maintaining our lives. And then Al-Mun'am, the one who constantly gifts the, the slave, right? The one who constantly takes care and gives the slave. And Al-Murabbi, caretaker. You can have a good... You know how much care goes into horses, by the way? If you know people who own horses, a lot of money spent on the, the stables and the food and the nutrition. They even have treadmills for horses, right? Where they exercise, you've got to make sure their horseshoes are there and they're always in good nutrition, good physical you know, uh, exercise, and everything is detailed. And so Allah is saying, you as a master are so concerned about your slave fulfilling his role, like in, in this case the horses, what about the role of you being the slave of your master? Allah also has created you, He has given you blessings, He has given you, and this is actually connecting us to Surah Al-Fatiha, where you know, the, the true slave who has even an ounce of decency of fitrah, what does he do? He says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. I need to be thankful to my master. I need to be you know, obedient to my master and thankful to him. That, and I need to appreciate that he's my master. He's so caring. He's so kind. He's, you know, all the rules he's given me are for my own benefit. He's sustaining my lifestyle. He is constantly giving me gift after gift and a gift. And I'm being disobedient, but he keeps giving me chance after chance. But yet, this insan is being kanood. He's being ungrateful. He's not fulfilling his role. He's being disloyal to his master. So you see how Allah drew the parallel with the horse? And now, think about it this way, right? When you have a horse that gets sick, right? Or he twists his ankle. What are you going to do with the horse in this case? You're going to probably get rid of it, right? Sell it, get another horse or something, right? Because it's of no use anymore. That horse is of no use. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here indirectly is telling this insan who is kanood that you have certain obligations that you have to fulfill. You're not doing those, but I'm not getting rid of you. You would get rid of your horse if it stopped functioning the way it's supposed to, but I am not giving up on you. I'm not giving up on you. You know, so it's reminding this human being of the chances that Allah keeps giving him over and over and over again. And so... We also see kanud and the act of being a slave. I want to connect it to a bigger idea here, right? Because see, the ultimate message of the Quran is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, number one, wants us to realize who we are. Okay? Realize who we are. Number two, to realize what our purpose is in life. Once the human being realizes what his purpose is in life, then his life will be in order. Then everything will fall into place. This is really it, right? But for this human being... He has been kanood. He has been careless. He has been unappreciative. He hasn't, you know, even thought about who he is. He's just too busy riding his horses. Too busy racing with his horses and attacking uh, people and stealing money. Busy in this life, you know. Attacking one tribe after another after another, enjoying their horses. And horses here are a symbol of even, like, transportation methods, right? For us, in our sense, like... If this was 2015 scene, it would be tanks. 
or like, I don't know, really fast cars or F1 jets, right? Or I mean F-16, right? Not F-1. F-16 jets, right? So really fast jets, new technology, top notch, okay? So Allah is saying here that the human being has failed to realize his, his objective in life. He has failed to realize his purpose. And you know, a lot of parents come to me and they complain, you know, our children, they don't fast, they don't pray, they don't read Quran, they don't wake up for Fajr. What do we do? They just spend like five hours playing PlayStation and video games and they're just like wasting their lives and wasting their time. Even especially in summer holidays, just, just playing card games and doing useless stuff, watching TV and doing nothing pretty much, sleeping. Okay? So what's the solution? These parents ask, what's the solution? Is there a special pill that these kids can take to get them, you know, serious about life? No, there is no special pill. But one thing that I do tell these uh, parents is that your children need to have a vision in life. They need to have a sense of purpose in life. They need to realize that I need to do something to fulfill my role of slave in this, in this dunya. This life... I'm going to be living 60, 70, 80 years. I need to do something for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before I die. I need to give something back to humanity before I die. I need to leave a legacy. I need to use whatever skills, whatever talent Allah has given me, I need to use this to fulfill my role of slave. Fasting, praying, zakat, hajj, these are all tools. Remember we said these are means to the goal. These are supposed to remind us of our objective. But the ultimate objective is there's a lot of problems in society. There's a lot of problems in the world today. Who's going to fix these problems? It's the slave of Allah. That is why Allah created Adam to, like we said, remove the bloodshed and corruption from earth. And so how is this human being going to step up to do something? He has to discover a vision. He has to discover and realize that he wants to do something. There should be like this project in your life. Every single one of you listening now, you should have a project in your life dedicated to make Allah happy with you. You know, whatever it is, whatever it is, there sh this should be your ticket to Jannah. This should be when you face Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you show him, Ya Allah, this is what I did for you. And Allah says, MashaAllah, good job, Jannah. This is what the Prophet ﷺ, when he sees you, he will be proud of you. You can say, Allah, I gave my life for this project. Whatever it is, choose something and do it. And this is where all the problems of the youth will be resolved. When youth start, you know, a certain young person who realizes, wow. Let's, let me give you an example. Someone who dedicates his life, for example, to making meaningful movies. Okay? Meaningful movies. This is his goal, objective in life. He tells his parents, Dad, you know, I really like movies, but I realize all the movies nowadays are very filthy and shameless with no message. I am going to step up and I'm going to make meaningful movies for the world to see. Because we can't close down cinemas. We can't force people not to watch TV and YouTube. And so instead of, you know, blocking these means, let's try to go into these fields with clean entertainment. And so this son tells his dad, Dad, I really want to go. I have a vision. I have a plan. I want to go, I want to study film in the best universities in the world. I'll go, even if it means going to the West and learning from the experts and from the top-notch producers and directors. I want to know how it's done. I want to understand this game. 
I want to understand this industry. And so he has a plan. He wants to go study four years, specialize. He's going to, in his free time, he's going to be reading. He's going to buy magazines of films. He's going to read about these directors and the latest cinematography techniques and script writing and you know, how this business works, you know, the, the business behind this. He's going to study how money is made in, in movies, what makes a movie fail financially, what makes a movie succeed, how are cinemas and distribution of movies, how the system works. He's going to be reading and studying and in his free time, this is all he's going to be googling about. Completely dedicated to this project. Now, question for you. Will this young boy have free time to waste now? Now that he's hooked to a project? Will his parents have to tell him, wake up for Fajr? No, because when he wakes up for Fajr, he's going to get so excited and he would want that Iman boost to continue for this project. And he's going to continue for the rest of his life to work towards this goal and objective. And although it seems like a big thing, it seems very far-fetched, but who is on his side? Allah is promising to be on his side. And so he's going to, that's his motivation. And you go back to Surah Al-Qadr. We talked about it. Laylat Al-Qadr is the night of changing your Qadr. It's the night of upgrading your Qadr. It's the night of du'as. He's going to use these ten, last ten nights to make du'a. Ya Allah, please help me. I want to be a top-notch, meaningful director. Ya Allah, make it easy for me. Get me acceptance into the best colleges. Ya Allah, give me guidance so I can you know, learn this skill and excel in it. I want to be one of the best in the world, Ya Allah. And you promise that if I make du'a, you will answer my du'a, Ya Allah. This is my du'a. This is what I want, Ya Allah. And then you break down that goal, that project, and that objective into milestones. When's your first movie going to come out? Let's say in five years. Okay, I need to start writing a script. I need to find a script writer. I need to find an idea, a story. You hire a team and you start working together. You, you look out for resources. You need money. You need to do networking. Look for people who, you know, would fund you in this project. And so, you see how... Life gets busy with something meaningful all of a sudden. This slave all of a sudden realizes that, wow, I can use my skill, my passion to earn my ticket in Jannah. As for this insan who is kanood, he has no vision in life. He thinks life is all about eating, drinking, sleeping, getting married, you know, robbing people, riding horses, in our sense, riding cars, you know, and that's it. Getting married, getting children, and sending them to school, paying bills, and dying. This, this is a disloyal slave. He has not fulfilled the objective of his life, the purpose of his life. He was too busy with entertainment. He was too busy playing games, you know, having fun. Didn't sit didn't one step back to ask, what does this Rabb want for me? What does Allah want for me? Who am I? What does Allah want me to achieve? How can I please Him? And you know, I'll give an advice to you guys. One of the best du'as that you can make in Ramadan, if you're someone who wants to do something but you don't know what you're good at and what your passion is, make this du'a guys. And I've, wallahi, I've tried this. And it works. Wallahi, it works. Ask Allah, Ya Allah, Use me for your deen. Use me for your deen. I want to work for you, Allah. Hire me. Help me realize what is this I can do for you, Allah. I want, I want to do something. I, there's this project, I, want to, I don't know what it is, 
Give it to me, Allah. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. It's like you're rolling up your sleeves and saying, I'm tayar okay. And you keep asking for it one night after another. In every salah, you're making dua, you're making dua, you're making, Ya Allah, in every sujood, you're crying, Ya Allah, hire me, hire me. I want to work for you, Ya Allah. I want to do something for you. Get me busy with something, Ya Allah. I'm sick and tired of wasting my life. I'm sick and tired of playing games. I'm sick and tired of being addicted to shamelessness and entertainment that's wasting my life. It's making me live a meaningless life, Ya Allah. I want to start living a meaningful life. Ya Allah, give me something to get me busy. Give me something that I can look forward to waking up the next day. You know, there's two types of people. People who look forward to waking up the next day early so that they can continue working in their visions. And on the other side, there's people who are complaining. There's so much free time, I don't know what to do. Bored, I'm bored. Let's kill time. Have you heard that before? Time pass, we call it, right? No time, farag, you know? So, when you don't have a vision, of course your life is going to be farag. Of course you're going to have free time. And of course, in free time, shaitan is going to come to you and he's going to make you waste your time and get you busy with sins. But when you are someone who's using your ibadah, your deen, your iman to achieve that big objective and vision in your life, then you will get busy. Then you will be someone who's on the right track. That's Salat al-Mustaqeem. And you're, you're actually technically making this dua in Fatiha every single day, 17 times a day. Ihdina salat al-mustaqeem, which can also mean, Ya Allah, use me for your deen. Show me what I can do for you, Ya Allah. Hire me. Give me a project. Give me an assignment. Literally, that's what it is. Ya Allah, give me an assignment for my life. I'm ready. Iyaka na'bud. But Ya Allah, Iyaka nasta'in. I need your help. I need you to be with me all the, all the way, you know? And so this is what the, the Kanood person is not doing. The Kanood person is lazy, he's careless. He doesn't want accountability, he just wants to party and he wants to relax and enjoy life and time pass and, you know? So this is what we mean by being loyal to your master. Your master has created you for a purpose, you fulfill that purpose. And imagine if every single... Muslim started having a vision in life. What would happen to the world in 10, 15, 20 years time? What do you think? All Muslims having grand visions in different fields, in healthcare, in education, in entertainment, in sports, in, you know, I don't know, accounting, in architecture, and business. Wow. This world would change, right? Then, Adam, Aysam, the purpose he was created for will be, per- will be fulfilled then peace will start spreading, then justice will start spreading. But until the human being has a purpose and a vision in life, the angels will still be right. Corruption and, and injustice will be spreading and bloodshed. Why? Because people are, have forgotten who they are. They've forgotten their purpose. They don't realize who they are. And so Allah says, وَإِنَّهُ عَلَى ذَلِكَ لَشَهِيدٌ This person who is living a meaningless life, this kanood person, this ungrateful person, he is the biggest witness on the fact that he is kanud. And indeed, he is a witness on himself. On the day of judgment, he will have no excuses, by the way. Nowhere in the Quran does Allah say that these kuffar and people of no purpose and meaningless lives, Allah doesn't say that they will speak up and say, Ya Allah, I didn't know. Ya Allah, I forgot. I didn't have time. None of these excuses will come up. Everyone will shut up. 
Why? Because they will be a witness on themselves. They will realize, Ya Laytani, I wish Ya Allah I could go back. This is what they will say, Ya Laytani, gosh, I wish I could go back. I wish I had had a project in my life, a vision that I could strive for. I wish I didn't waste my life just doing nothing, living a meaningless life. وَإِنَّهُ عَلَى ذَلِكَ لَشَهِيدٌ And Allah says, وَإِنَّهُ لِحُبِّ الْخَيْرِ لَشَدِيدٌ This human being, there is no doubt about it, he loves khair so much. Shadeed, from shidda. You're so attached to this khair. And you know, the Mufassirun claim here that khair here is referring to wealth. وَإِنَّهُ لِحُبِّ الْخَيْرِ لَشَدِيدٌ He is so in love with wealth that he has made wealth his God. And you know the Prophet said, تَعِسَ عَبْدُ الدِّرْهَمِ وَالدِّنَارِ That there will be people who will be literally be slaves of the dinar and the dirham. Money. They will be slaves. And the Prophet said, تَعِسَ He'll be tired. You know why he said he'll be tired? Because the slave of, the, of money... Does he ever reach his objective? No. The, the one who has a thousand dinars, he wants ten thousand. When he gets, it, gets ten thousand, what will he want? Hundred thousand. He gets to hundred thousand, what will he want? Million. Millionaire what's, wants, what does he want? Ten million. And then hundred million. And then a billion. And it keeps going on and on and on. And this has no end. And this, you know, it's coming on in Surah Al-Takathur. Al-Hakum Al-Takathur. Wanting more and more and more of this dunya has distracted you. Until you reach the grave, then you will know that all this pursuit for more in dunya, 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 money, 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 more cars, more cars, more cars, more, more phones, more phones, you know, more luxury, more luxury. There's no end to it. It's a distraction. And so Allah here is saying that this wealth, you have made it your pursuit in life. Now, is wealth, earning wealth haram or halal? Of course it's halal. Is becoming a billionaire haram or halal? It's halal. And we gave an entire talk about how Allah actually wants us to be productive people, people who give, you know. And so here, what we're learning is Allah doesn't want us to love wealth, right? He's saying this insan, he loves wealth. What does Allah want us to do? He wants us to make a lot of money, but he wants us to love pleasing him. There's a big difference, right? A billionaire who loves his bank account versus a billionaire who loves pleasing Allah. Wow. Big difference, right? This billionaire who loves pleasing Allah, how much good will he do? Amazing. He will be an asset to humanity. Right? As for the one who... The billionaire who loves wealth and he worships wealth, for him, he'll be tired in his life. No purpose. He's going to buy whatever he wants, but he can't buy happiness. He can't buy content. He can't buy guidance. He can't buy pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That pleasure of Allah, that ridwan, can't be bought with money. And so Allah is reminding us, وَإِنَّهُ لِحُبِّ الْخَيْرِ لَشَدِيدٌ This ungrateful person, all he's running after is money. And isn't that the reality of our, of our times nowadays? Don't you agree? You know, our education system programs us you know, pass with flying colors so you, you have a nice CV so you can get accepted to the best colleges. And then parents end up getting into debt. Why? To send their kids into the best schools and the best colleges. And then when they graduate, 
They want to make sure they get the highest GPAs. Why? So they can get into the, the best fields of work. Right or no? And then parents are supporting them. Right? And parents are pushing them. No, no, no. Don't study uh, you know, history. Don't, don't study uh, sociology and anthropology and these Kachra fields. No, no, no. Become a doctor. Become an engineer. Why? Money, money. You know, you need to get your own house, beta. You need to have your own car, and you need to get you married quickly. You need money for that, and so even parents are brainwashing the kids. Yeah, money, 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 and so kids come back from college, get into a job. You know, parents say, "Khas, beta, you need to get a house, beta. Get a house," and so you get into a loan, and money, money, money to pay off the loan. Money, money, money. Promotion after promotion after promotion, and then shadi time, more loans. For shadi, for honeymoon, for the big grand wedding, money, money, money. And then I need a car, I need a bigger house, mom, I need to move out of my flat into the house. Okay, get another loan, money, money. Get busy in paying off the debt, debt after debt after debt, and you're stuck in this rat race. You're paying off your debts your entire life. And you're stuck in money. And what's going on in your mind when you're standing in salah, and the imam is reciting, so it's Rahman, the bill. Right? Mortgage bill, car bill, shadiwala bill, you know? All these bills, school fees, electricity, internet, iPhone that I bought on installment, right? Everything that you've been accumulating is just, that's all in your mind. And then you complain, I don't have khushu and salah. And then your entire life is wasted, running after money. And today, countries are going to wars because of money, right or no? Oil, gold, diamond, whatever it is. Theft, why do people steal? Money. Why do people cheat? Money. Why do people do tatfif? Mutafifin. Why? Money. You know? So this is the, the, the big God of our times, you know? The God of money. And you know, our entire system, the secular system that wants you to disconnect deen from... Reality, it wants you to consistently think about money so you can buy the next thing, so you can become a consumer, so you can be someone who only aspires to. So your only worth is what's in your bank account. Your only worth is your bank account. That's it. So people are concerned about their bank accounts financially. There's another spiritual bank account, which no one's talking about. And then there's a amal bank account. The good deeds bank account. These three. What are most people concerned about? The financial bank account. Spiritual bank account is empty. Good deeds bank account is empty. So, وَإِنَّهُ لِحُبِّ الْخَيْرِ لَشَدِيدٌ He forgets that money can actually harm him. Right or no? Money can actually become a source of evil for you. He forgets this. And so, shadid, look at the word shadid. Shid, yeah, like from shidda, you know, like very close to him. Money is very dear to him. And then Allah says, He puts them in his place now. Fast forward, huh? Doesn't he know when the contents of the grave will come out and they will be basically literally thrown out of earth? Doesn't he... Realize that this time is going to come when all these graves will be literally thrown out of earth. 
the earth will be so sick and tired of holding these, these meaningless people that it will want to throw out. Halas. Ya Allah, I don't want to hold on to these people anymore. They were useless. They were worse than animals. They wasted, your, they wasted life. They didn't do anything meaningful in life. Fall to, you know? And that's what happens when, when the human being like literally pukes, right? And, and you throw up. What do you throw up? The stuff that your body doesn't need. The, the, the junk that your body does not benefit from, right? Meaningless stuff in your body comes out. This is, subhanAllah, even throwing up, there is an ayah in it. Next time you're, like, someone throws up, you should say, subhanAllah, man. It's going to happen on the Day of Judgment. Bodies are going to be thrown out of the earth because they were purposeless. And so, Another thing that's underground is resources. Again, money, right? What, what is resources all about? What is money all about? Resources, right? Oil, gold, diamonds, all the precious things of, of our lives today is underground. Allah is saying all of this will come out. This came in Surah Al-Zalzal also, right? All these resources that you're fighting over, all these wars that you're fighting over, these resources, I'm going to bring them out on the Day of Judgment. And then, let's see if you will be interested in that stuff or no. On the Day of Judgment, when you realize that you lived a meaningless life, will that pile of gold be of any benefit to you? Will that pile of diamonds be of benefit to you? Will that, with those barrels of oil be of any benefit to you? No, nothing. Then you realize, man, this was worth nothing. This was worth nothing. And Allah says, on that day, what else will happen? وَحُصِّلَ مَا فِي الصُّدُورِ Husr is a beautiful word that means peeling off. You know how like, you know you have onion peels? An onion has different peels, right? And so each, if, if you've ever cut an onion, how many peels are there in an onion? Many, right? Many. One peel after another, after another, after. That's what we are as human beings. On the outside, mashallah, brother muttaqi and hafiz Quran and mashallah beard and praying five times a day in the masjid. But deep down inside, the layers that are hidden, the layers of hypocrisy, the layers of hidden sins, the layers of you know, bad addictions that the public doesn't know about, these are all in the inside. Allah is saying, this stuff will come out on that day. All the stuff that's under the peel will be, will be exposed on that day. And so for the human being who had a purposeless life, his love of dunya, this will come out. It will be exposed that he had no good inside of him. No good inside of him. It was all money and shahwat and desires and playing and games and entertainment. That's what all, all that was there. Carelessness and, you know. And then, you know, linking to the previous surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, these atom weights of good deeds and bad deeds, they will come out on that day. All these you know, good intentions you had, all these bad intentions you had, everything will come out on that day. And then Allah ends it up by saying, There is no doubt about it. On that day, their master, especially with them, will be on that day fully aware. Fully aware. Khabir comes from root word khabar, which means news, right? But here what we're learning is khabir is one of the names of Allah where Allah is the all-knowing. He knows everything that's 
that the human being has done from the beginning to the end. He's aware of all his situations and circumstances. That's why the human being will not be able to come up with excuses on the Day of Judgment. You know? He's a witness over that. Why? Because Allah is already aware of everything. The, you know, the, once you reach the Day of Judgment and you're standing for your accountability, the, the tape recorder will start playing. And you will see everything. And you will realize, Ya Allah, you already know everything. There's no point in coming up with bad excuses. You already know, Ya Allah, what I did with my life. You already know what I wasted my life in. You know? So Allah here is reminding us that He is Al-Khabir. He knows what we're doing. He's watching us with full knowledge. He's fully aware of what we're doing. He's fully aware. If you're someone who's wasting time, He's fully aware of how you're wasting time. How you're just... This amazing blessing of time, how you're just completely being canoed with it. Completely not appreciating time. Just wasting it, being ungrateful to it, being disloyal. Allah is fully aware. And so this, you know, and again, yawma idhan means, it's a threatening word, right? Allah is warning you, on that day, Allah will be khabir. So what, in this ayah is hope, actually. Because we're reading this ayah now, right? And it, has the day of judgment come yet? Has the day of judgment come yet? No. So you've read this ayah. Allah is telling you, on that day, Allah will say, I, I was fully aware. So that means there is hope for us to get our act together now. Right or no? Every single one of us, we can decide to shift. If we are people who are living meaningless lives, Allah is giving us hope in this ayah. That on that day, there will be regrets. Which means what? Today, there are no regrets if you, if you decide to get your act together. If you decide to, you know, get serious and start discovering your potential and start discovering your vision and your purpose then you can change the course of history you can change your qadr your destiny you know no one will, will complain on that day Allah this was my destiny to end up in hellfire no no that's the wrong understanding of qadr you know qadr is you make you cho choose which qadr you want and Allah of course has the ultimate plan but he has given you free will to choose what destiny you want. You can't blame Allah for your, your mishaps, for your wrong choices. And so for all of us, this surah should be a reminder of um, you know, this, this concept of kunud. And how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually brought it in the surah, right? With that theater uh, trailer and that climax and then just striking the believer. I was just trying to imagine as I was reading the surah how the disbeliever reacted to this ayah. Just try to imagine, right? They're so hooked and then all of a sudden Allah through the Prophet's words says this thing. And he's saying, This human being, he knows that he's wasting his time. There's no denial in that. You know? Everyone who's wasting his time, everyone who's living a meaningless life, Deep down inside they know, yes, I'm doing nothing. I'm wasting my time. And so, you know, this ayah or this surah should, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a tough surah, which shakes us, realize, makes us realize, you know, the, the importance of realizing our purpose in life. But at the same time, there's hope in it. There's hope. Allah sometimes gets tough with us for our own benefit.
Just like sometimes our parents, you know, they give us a tough lecture. Why? To get us right on track. Right or no? So sometimes these tough khutbas are there to get us back on track. This is one of those surahs which can be life-changing. And again, I repeat my advice that Ramadan and these nights, these special nights, Wallahi, with these kind of lessons and you asking Allah to give you a vision, to get you on the track, to help you live a meaningful life, Wallahi, if you get that gift from Allah, your entire life will be set. Your sense of value and appreciation of time will completely change. You will want to search how to get more time. You'll be like, I want to do so many things, time near. I wish there were more than 24 hours in a day. You know, you will start being a better, and, and this doesn't mean you're 24 hours working on your vision. Part of your vision is balancing your roles, taking care of your family, taking care of your health. You're going to start working out, because working out and, you know, eating healthy and being productive will help you becoming more productive towards your vision. You're going to start spending more time with your parents. You're going to start spending time with your kids. You're going to start giving time for the community. You're going to start reading more Qur'an and trying to get more iman fuel to keep you towards your journey because this journey is going to be tough, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be struggles in it. And so you constantly need to, sujood, to do sujood, remember? Badakkir and sabbah. Remind and sabbah. Remind and get close to Allah. Get your fuel at night, during the day work hard towards your vision. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to inshallah, you know, gift us all with this uh, blessing of having a vision in life. To gift us with the you know, gift of realizing who we are and what our potential is and to make us people who will benefit this ummah and, and people who inshallah will leave a legacy behind before we die to fulfill our role of being the ultimate slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jazakumullahu khayran, subhanakallah wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant, nasaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.